as we come today, as you're turning your Bibles to the book of Romans, we'll look in chapter 6, and we're going to focus uh, briefly today on verses 1 through 5, verses 1 through 5. And while you're turning there, can I be real for a moment? <laughs> uh, you younger folks know what I mean, don't you? When I say, can I be real for a moment? Uh, just generally speaking, I'm speaking in general terms here. Uh, we're selfish people. Amen. That's about as real as I can get. Uh, you know, we tend to want what we want. Even when the rules have been spelled out for us. Even when we may have the rules in our hands and we're looking at them. <laughs> Uh, we still want what we want, don't we? Uh, we have a tendency to even question the rules. We have this tendency to want to manipulate the rules. We have this tendency to want to uh, twist things in such a way to where the rules will not apply to us and we can override those rules to get what we want. <laughs> You said I could get real. Uh, now, no one here at Reedy Branch does that. No. No, that's no, We are a body of believers that are not guilty of this. We, we accept things the way that they are, and we don't question rules. Now, somebody's laughing correctly. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a reason why that is facetious. Um, and I'm not going to get into that, but let's not beat ourselves up too bad. Let's, let's not do that because we didn't invent that will. As a matter of fact, uh, it can be seen, this behavior can be seen going all the way back to the first century church. And if we look here in this passage today, we actually see what goes on today was going on then. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 1 through 5, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, well, let's stop right there. Right there at his resurrection. Now this is God's word. This is God's word. Pray with me. God, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you up for your word. Now, God, speak to us through your word this afternoon. Help us, God, to, to not only hear your word, but to receive your word. Help us, God, to not only receive it, but to apply it to our lives. And God will give you glory for whatever is accomplished. And if there's one here today who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, God, today, allow your Holy Spirit to convict their hearts. God, allow your Holy Spirit to help them to see that they need a Savior. 
And God, we know that if they call upon the name of the Lord today, they shall be saved. So you move and minister and we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You know, the, the life of a Christian is to be marked by being Christ-like. We know that scripture teaches us that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's life, was holy. It was set apart. It was consecrated to God. So if I bear the title of Christian, if I profess to be Christ-like, which is what I do when I say I'm Christian, then my life should be holy, set apart, consecrated to God. A genuinely saved person cannot abuse the mercy of God by living a life of sin. Now, what I mean by this is sin cannot be the habit of a genuinely born-again believer. And to, when sin is a habit of ours, then we become a stumbling block to others. We begin to mock the mercy and the grace of God. And we all know that God will not be mocked. As a matter of fact, Galatians 6 and 7 tells us, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows, that he will also reap. So here what we find in the apostle's letter uh, to the church in Rome is that he builds a case for the necessity of salvation. We're all sinners, and we all stand in need of salvation. And the salvation we stand in need of comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by placing our faith in Jesus for salvation that we are given the gift of eternal life. And eternal life is in him. It's not within ourselves. Listen, we can't work our way to heaven. It's a gift. If it's not a gift, then we're not there. We're not going to receive it. Heaven is a gift, and it's a gift of God. Amen. Here, what the Apostle Paul wants us to see is that eternal life is in Christ. Often we are willing to confess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're not willing to surrender our lives to him. We still want to control our lives. Oh, it's okay, Jesus, to be my Savior, but I'm not ready for you to be my Lord. And he's not going to be one or the other. He's going to be both or neither. He, there's not going to be any other God before him, including ourselves. And so here we... we the, because we want to control our lives what we want to do is push the envelope <laughs> we want to manipulate things so that it turns into our favor we are able to get what we want it's obvious that this was going on in the church in rome because the question that the apostle paul addresses here is found in chapter 5 in verse 20 it was built off of verse five, uh, chapter 5 and verse 20. When Paul makes the statement where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. 
Oh, because of that, we see that the, the believers in Corinth were thinking, well, what's permitted? If grace abounds much more than sin, or when we sin, grace will abound much more than the sin that we've committed, then we can go on sinning, can't we? It's as if they're asking the question, what's permitted here? What can I do and what can I not do? If, if that's the case, shouldn't I be able to just continue my life in sin? Well, we see Paul even says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You know, sadly, many professing Christians want to push the envelope just like this. Many know that they are saved. And they know their salvation is eternal. They know that they are eternally secure. And they choose to live far below God's standard. They choose this believing that if they will repent, then God will extend his grace to them. And church family, this is a careless way to live our lives. I know for some of you, this don't sound like Baptist preaching, but it's Bible preaching. Truthfully, if we desire to live our lives enjoying the pleasures of sin, then we have to ask ourselves a couple questions. Now, I'm talking about believers here. If we desire to live our lives as born-again believers, experiencing the pleasures of sin, if that's our desire, we need to ask, have I truly been saved? And if my, question, if my answer to that question is yes, I know my name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then I need to ask, well, do I want others to see Jesus in me? Because truthfully, truthfully one, of the, one of those two questions, the answer is going to be no. If we're wanting to live our way and not according to Christ's words. Christ said if we love him, we will Keep his commandments. Well, Paul gives the answer to the question in verse 2. He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Here, what we find is the apostle Paul takes this circumstance that's going on in, in the church in Rome. And he, he takes... He uses the analogy of death to the Christian life. As soon as we die, we lose desire for the things that we normally would enjoy doing, right? Yeah, I enjoy playing golf. When I die, I won't care a thing about golf. Yeah, I enjoy riding a bicycle. Uh, but when I die, I'm not going to care a thing about that bicycle. Can I say this? You said I could be real. Some of us get, get tied up with what grandma and grandma done. And because grandma and grandma done this, we can't move forward. And the truth of the matter is when grandma and grand, grandma, uh, grandpa died, they could care less about what they had done on earth. Yeah. It won't matter to them. So we need to continue to move forward because we're still here on earth. You know, it's, it's a shame when churches will split. Because they, they, they want to change those shingles and my granddaddy put the nails in those shingles. Are they crazy? Churches will go through splits over, oh, you're going to take those pews out. My granddaddy, uh, he paid for that pew. We'll take the pew home. I promise you, granddaddy don't care for that pew. 
This church was formed in 1881. 1881. There's not a soul that was here in 1881 that cares what this church looks like today. If they're in heaven, all they're doing is worshiping around the throne of God. If they're in hell, they wish that they were worshiping around the throne of God. They don't care about this. So we move forward. We move forward. (laughs) And that's in everything. You know, I don't have an emotional attachment to my home. My wife will tell you, I can sell my home tomorrow. No matter how many nails I've put in it. I can sell it tomorrow. I'm the one that spread the dirt around the foundation. I done that. I'm the one that was there. I saw it every day. I left work and went by that house and saw every detail of it as it was going up. But you know what? It's just brick, mortar, and wood. It's just brick, mortar, and wood. It has no eternal value to me. And because it has no eternal value to me, I've got no emotional attachment to it. Well, Paul is likening the Christian life to death. And he is saying here, listen, if you are an alcoholic and you're dead to sin, then you no longer desire alcohol. Desire. If you are a drug addict and you are dead to sin, then you no longer desire the drugs. Can I go a little farther? If you are living a homosexual lifestyle and you have been dead, you are dead to sin. You have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've died to sin. You no longer desire to have a same-sex relationship. And the same, this, this is true for us. We, when we were placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, we spiritually died to sin and there is nothing placed within us. There, or there is something that's placed within us that causes us to have no desire for the pleasures of sin. And it, what, what's been placed in us is a new nature. Or we call it the new man. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But there's a struggle. There's a struggle that we have. And we have this struggle because the sin, the sin nature or the old nature is still in us. And it's going to be in us until we get to glory until we leave this world through death of the body the sin nature will be there so now we're possessed we we who are saved there's something going on in us that's not going on in the lost the lost are they are dead in the trespass of their sin the only nature they have is a sin nature but we who've been made alive in Christ we have two natures in us the old nature and the new nature the old man and the new man And they're warring at each other. Why are they warring at each other? (laughs) Because they're fighting for attention. They're fighting to have dominance. They're fighting to have preeminence in our lives. So that only makes sense, doesn't it? You know, truthfully, I've said this in the past. Two heads is a monster. That's why churches can't have two pastors 
They can have associate pastors, but they have one pastor. There's, there's churches around with four or five pastors, several people trying to make the decisions when you can't have two heads. It's a monster. And living within us, there's conflict because two are trying to reign. And they're going in different directions. So what do we do? What's our responsibility knowing that there's two natures warring with us? Well, verse 11, (laughs) it gives us the answer. Verse 11 in chapter 6, it tells us, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words... You calculate things and you make a decision. Are you going to serve the Lord or are you going to serve yourself? That's the decision we have to make. It becomes our responsibility at that point. In other words, we have the responsibility to die to sin. It, become, it doesn't come easily. That's why Jesus told us in Luke 9 and 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And follow me. Actually, the apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that he dies daily. The grace of God is not permitted as a license to willfully sin. Instead, it's permitted to us as our responsibility to die to ourselves and to live our lives for Jesus Christ and Christ only. That's what's permitted to the believer. But we get to really understand that when we understand the placement that we are in. Now, Paul asked, are we aware that we were baptized in him in Jesus Christ? Meaning that we were baptized into his death. Paul's not speaking of water baptism here. Instead, he's speaking of our position in Christ. And what Paul does is he uses water baptism as an illustration to his point. The illustration is that when we are baptized in water, we are buried or we are immersed in the water. Symbolizing that we have died in Christ and we have been buried to ourselves. We're no longer, we're no longer um, dead. Uh, We're no longer alive to ourselves, but we're dead to ourselves and we don't stay there. That's the gracious thing is we don't remain dead to ourselves, but we raise up new We raise up in victory. Just as Christ raised from the dead, we rise also. (laughs) And we rise to go on and live in Christ. Um, You know, when when we move or we live in a newness of life, when we go on to live for Christ, we are living... As Jesus lived. You know, after Jesus' resurrection, he was no longer confined by time or space. He had a new life. When he was on earth, he could be only in one place at one time. 
He, could, he was limited in where he could be and how many people he could affect at once. But once he rose from the grave, there was nothing that confined him. If the wall would not keep him out of a room, a closed door, a locked door could not keep him out of, out of uh, space. He could be somewhere with these guys and in the blink of an eye, he's somewhere else. And we see a picture of this on the Emmaus Road. And when we come to know Jesus as our Savior, when we have been made alive in him, we're no longer confined by the penalty of our sin. But we've been set free by the grace of God. And how do we walk in newness of life? We submit to the new man. We submit to who we have been made into. We submit to the new man by spending time developing disciplines to hear the new man louder than the old man. I said they were warring against one another and one's trying to get dominance over the other. But we've got to, we've got to hear the new man over the old man. And we do that when we develop inward disciplines. Disciplines such as spending time in prayer, spending time studying and meditating on God's word, spending time yes even fasting when we do when we develop these inward disciplines we begin to hear more of the new man than we do the old man but we also uh, spend time developing outward disciplines disciplines the the word the world would look at us and they will see Christ living in us and this is done through submission the world needs to see that we're submitted to the Lord no matter what the world throws at us no matter what the world presents at us we're submitted Submitting ourselves to Christ and, and his way of living. Not only are we uh, submitting ourselves to him, but we're choosing to live simply. And what I mean by that is, it's not that you don't have anything, but whatever it is that you have doesn't have you. That we're not trying to live above our means to keep up with the Joneses, but we're satisfied and we're content living in whatever God has blessed us to have. Well, we live in solitude, not that we're separated and away from everyone, but we're separated from this world. We're set apart from the world that the world doesn't control our lives, but Jesus controls our lives and service. Service becomes something that we desire to do and long to do rather than something we feel like we're being forced to do. I hope the announcement earlier <laughs> encouraging you to consider the next time we announce roadside cleanup. I hope you don't feel like I'm trying to force you to meet us out here. You're grown. You can do what you choose to do. But when we focus our attention on service and service becomes something that we want to do, then we'll look at those little announcements a little differently. You know, I, I remember coming out here, Brother Ted, when I first got here, Brother Ted, I don't know, he, at that time, when I, I couldn't hardly believe he was the age he was when I got here. Uh, I think he was around 64, 65, and he was here. And he was here every year until he's not been able to be here. Miss Ernie has been here every year and she was here today, yesterday. Now, we had ages. Listen, we had ages ranging from 15, I guess Kate was 15, 15 or 16, up to ever how old. I ain't even going to say who that is. But it was, it, it was, up, it was in their 70s. We had, we had different age groups here, and I'm so thankful for the ones that showed up. 
Uh, and I want to I let you know that I appreciate you greatly. But I also know that if we've committed to take on this project, then we're responsible for making sure the project is done. Yes, we, if we want to hear the new man louder than the old man, we must develop inward and outward disciplines. But you know, we also need to develop corporate disciplines. Uh, corporate disciplines are disciplines that help us to come together. Uh, come together to strengthen and encourage one another. And we do this through worship. We do, do this through confession. We do this through celebration. And we do this through guidance. Man, aren't you strengthened when we have a worship service that is, that is unlike any we've had? Man, when, we, when people are rejoicing and, and praising the Lord, it strengthens me. I don't know if it strengthens you, but it strengthens me. And when people are confessing their sin, it reminds me that I'm not, I'm not by myself, that, that everyone else that falls in the same category I do, that, that at the foot of the cross, it's level ground. Uh, it's encouraging to me. It's encouraging to me when we get to celebrate someone coming to know the Lord as their Savior or get to celebrate someone wanting to join and be part of this church. Get to celebrate what we get to today, someone wanting to be identified with Christ by being baptized. Oh, and to be guided by the Holy Spirit and to watch him move in the lives of so many. When we develop these disciplines... Oh, it encourages us and it strengthens us. And the more we develop these disciplines, the more we hear from the new man rather than the old man. When we develop these disciplines in our lives, we will not seek control of our lives, but we'll submit to God's plan for our lives. We'll forsake the desire to push the envelope into our favor, but we'll be willing to just be content with whatever the envelope says where it's at. Yes, I'm convinced that we will reckon ourselves dead to the things of the world and alive to the things of God through the Spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder how many here today are tired of living a life that's dead in the trespass of your sin. Uh, if you're tired today, if you're willing to die to yourself, you can be made alive forevermore in Christ. But that choice is yours. You must reckon. <laughs> what will you listen to right now in this moment? The enemy telling you to, that you got time? which is the greatest lie he's ever shared with mankind. Or will you surrender to the call of God? You surrender to a new life in Christ. A life where you be made whole. If they sing this song of invitation, what choice will you make? The church is praying for you. What would be your choice today?